as we are wrapping up 2023 that tradition i always um talk about or list my top ip highlights for each year and this is the fifth edition and if you're already following me on any of my social media platforms, i'm pretty sure you may have seen my list for 2023 but the good thing is this is the podcast version for those who would like to listen to me talk about the cases i'm not going to go in depth because i have a lot of cases for this year um a lot of trends a lot of development cases and still more cases up until the last day of 2023 so stay tuned for my top highlights IP 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 Welcome to IP series home to all things IP related where I give you the stories tips and implications to business and creative decision concerning your intangible assets with real life case study I am your host Rita Henry Chinda subscribe and turn on your notification so you don't miss an episode Cheers guys At the center of the IP conversation for 2033 was artificial intelligence, generative artificial intelligence work. But first, at the beginning of this year, we had a couple of works go into the public domain, such as we have um, works like The Best Thing in Life Are Free by George Gard. De Silva, Leo Brown, and Ray Henderson. And we also have To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. I think that's the pronunciation. Then you have Time Regained by Marcel Proust. Um, the Jazz Singer. Um, and you know, a couple of others. And we're also gearing up for the biggest IP work owned by Disney going into the public domain in 2024. And I'm talking about Mickey Mouse. You know, there've been so much publication about that. I think sometime this year, Mischief also created like a limited line in um, like a merchandise of some sort in preparation for Mickey Mouse going into the public domain. And we all know, like just like their name is Mischief. Yeah, very mischievous. Now, the, the first, on my list for this year um you know i added, I added it for, to my list for this year after i had posted the initial um top highlight and i first got the link from a mentor when well, he sent me the link but i had already seen it on twitter but yeah he also sent it to me and i said okay since this seems very important so i'm gonna add it to my list when i'm doing the podcast so number one so for number one on my list and i think a lot of my ap friends will agree is the recent copyright disputes between the new york times and open ai makers of the chat gpt now summary for this is new york times is claiming that open ai 
has trained on millions of their articles and write-up their content without their consent permission and authorization basically using their intellectual property to generate answers and content for users and if you are very active on social media you see a lot of content creators highlighting and, and you know sharing tips and prompts on how to use chat gpt and other artificial intelligent tools to create content to write ebooks to to create images i think that's one i saw um yesterday where a user had put in a prompt that they should create um like a cartoon like image which the result at the end of the day was a combination of mario and lugu i think that's how it's pronounced but you know these are some of the questions or issues that um that this dispute is basically highlighting what does it mean for the future of artificial intelligence creativity journalism publishing content creation you name it how will it affect the balance between innovation creativity and ip protection in the digital era now that you have i mean with the digital era is you, you're dealing with issues of ease of reproduction now you have chat gpt with just basic prompts coming out with outputs there are questions as to whether these prompts enjoy intellectual property protection um would this suit redefine the boundaries of artificial intelligence and intellectual property would the fair use defense work in favor of open ai and microsoft so at fair dealing basically or fair use depending on, on, on the jurisdiction you're coming from basically you using um an intellectual property work without the um need without you wanting to commercialize or make profit from it so it could be for private use to criticize to create parodies for research purpose as long as you acknowledge the original author and you're not making money for everything you're good to go under our new copyright act section 20 lists four factors that will be considered um to to determine whether the use of your work or the defense of fair dealing how or fair use would work in your favor um you can add also the copyright requirements um in order for a work to be eligible for protection um which is originality being a fixed or tangible format irrespective of the quality then um it also turns out that parties well, I think it was the New York Times that had reached out to OpenAI um, makers of the ChatGPT sometime in April to try and negotiate. And I just thought about it. I mean, I, I have been thinking about writing it, but this case kind of just stretched or motivated me to, you know, conclude that write-up as to whether ADR mechanisms such as negotiations um, would be best in resolving AI related dispute or generative AI related disputes um so parties were unable to reach an agreement hence while this process was filed um one of the terms that i read was that um the dispute was basically um focusing on 
the terms of the licensing agreement with other news organization um, payment of royalties and open ai um claiming or open ai being charged for or asked to pay damages for the unauthorized use of the new york times um publication so this is like a summary in less than five minutes remember i said i have a lot more cases so let's delve into highlight number two <laughs> so highlight number two which i did not include in my initial carousel and what do you call twitter or former x post now i don't even know xx is whatever is the choreography case between kyle hanagami against fortnite for using um his how long dance routines beats and sequence of moving in the fortnite chapter 2 season 3 um in august of 2020 so during the pandemic basically i mean given that fortnite had like a good year um i think no i think yeah travis scott had used fortnite for his virtual concert and made a lot of money from that but you will not find out that pre the pandemic fortnite already had cases that were filed against it for unauthorized use of choreography so basically this case of um, hanagami and fortnite highlights the protection that choreography enjoys as an eligible copyright work and this like i said this will not be the first um rodeo that's um fortnite would be um having I, if you if you were or are a fan of um, what's that famous will smith's uh, movie hold on <laughs> yeah finally figured it out the fresh prince of bel air which also had like a reboot of some sorts and the actor Alfonso Ribeiro in 2018 had sued Fortnite um, for using his um, dance routine in one of their series known as um, The Backpack Kid. And they also have um, rapper Two Milli who alleged that Epic, as Fortnite Epic, stole his viral dance move, the Milli Rock, selling it for V Box as Swipe It. Um, all of these suits were filed after they had applied to copyright their dances, but they, they all dropped in 2019 following a US Supreme Court ruling that copyright owner, owners can't sue until copyright office has taken on an application for copyright so in jurisdiction like the us it's kind of like mandatory you're mandated to register your work failure to do that means you can't sue you know but the lights at the end of the tunnel for choreography work was the um what's his name now let's see jackie knight case you know he basically sets the set the precedent in terms of um, obtaining copyright protection for his distinctive choreography um 
he is the first choreographer to to actually receive a copyright protection for his choreography and because he understood the importance and the power that doing that will aid his brand and giving total control and creative output he founded um, the night choreography and music publishing inc which enabled him, enabled him to have greater authority and ownership of his choreography. He's the one that curated the single, all my single ladies. Yeah. If you are a dancer, you know how, I wouldn't say difficult, you know, but the single ladies dance routine is out of this world. If you're looking to, to burn a few fat, that's a good song and dance routine you can consider adding to your playlist. Um, he also paved the way for other choreographers to gain recognition and protection for their choreographic creation. Um, then there was the ah, oh, what's that now? There was a there was a black um Twitter campaign against TikTok still the pandemic era and post I think a year post pandemic era where black TikTokers were went on strike because TikTok did not acknowledge the original creators of certain dance routines and moves that were viral and were being racial about it. I wrote about it in my blog. So just type in IP series, Substack, and then you will see the publication there. But then in conclusion, when you're talking about choreography, it also goes to show that the growing body of choreography copyright infringement cases will keep coming up and people like um hanagami who know the importance of protecting their choreography will keep suing now i what i put down in my note was if this was in nigeria would the federal high court rule in favor of hanagami yes because um uh, the new copyright act makes provisions or protects um choreography um works and if you also check out the interpretation section of the new copyright act still new basically less than a year um the nigerian copyright act defines choreographic words to means a composition of movement for dancing or other patterns succession of gestures mostly created to accompany music so if you are a nigerian dancer if you help artists or theaters um, come up with dance routines just know that you are protected under the law your work is considered to be a literally literary work um if you also look at the definition of literary works choreographic works is also listed and section give me a minute yeah section nine gives you the rights exclusive right to reproduce that dance routine to publish it to perform it in the public to produce reproduce perform or publish any translation of that that dance routine or choreographic work make any audio visual work or a record in respect of the work distributed to the public for commercial purpose um, broadcast it communicate it make the work available to the public by way by wire huh. 
Mabinu, <laughs> by wire or wireless means in such a way that the members of the public are able to access it from any place and at any time make an adaptation of your dance routine. So, so another type of right you can um, categorize a choreography is um, choreographers and dancers enjoy performance rights. And under section 63, it lists that you have the exclusive right to control the fixation of, of your unfixed performance, reproduction of your fixation in the performance, um, in any manner or form, if the original fixation other than the fixation is excluded from section 68, which talks about exceptions to performance rights as a whole lot. So I think the exceptions to performance rights will include demonstration in good faith of a radio or television receiver or recording or playback equipment by clients, by a dealer in those receivers, reproduction of short extracts from an object of a performance right, research or private study of an object of performance right kept in publicly accessible libraries, educational establishments, museums, or archives on the premises of the said institution. And reading this now just highlights the um, Makolo, Makola Queens, the musical performance, which I just did a review about. So if the school were going to rely on the exceptions, I think this will apply. Um, then there's also reproduction for benefit of people with disability. The new copyright act now has special provision for people with disability, which is a good thing. Um, what else? Performers now also enjoy moral rights. So people like um, Hanagami, if they were Nigerians, have the right to be identified as a performer in connection with any use of that performance of the fixation in Fortnite's epic. They can also object and prevent any distortion, mutilation, or modification of the dance routines, the sequence, the beat. Um, timeline for uh, protection. So performance includes dramatic performance, which includes dance and mime. I don't feel that if you mind when you were younger you get what i mean uh, i was also going to consider um, dance as an expression of folklore but i wouldn't want to delve okay yeah so folk dances and folk plays under section 74 sub 5 you know then yeah i think that covers it so let's move on to to case number three so I, for number three, I think I came across this case the day I was, you know, trying to walk around my, my slides or the carousel. And if you, so there's this guy that always asks people, how much do you, how much money is in your bank account? And I think that was the first, I think it was the, the, the participant stories goes to show how people were intentional in trying to be financially independent some and it was also exciting to it was also inspired not exciting it was inspiring i think one story that really caught my attention was the lady that said she makes a billion dollars every christmas kind of like maria carey who knows that every so every christmas it's time for her to make 
money so you're just sitting and waiting for christmas to make a billion dollars and they're like your your when you see them on the road they're kind of like your regular everyday people who you just walk past and you know so his name is mr lewis Liu, and he was calling out his fellow content creator on instagram he wrote so i want to read it verbatim for verbatim what he wrote so he says um it's okay to be inspired by someone or copying something exactly the same is pitiful so when i was writing this i had to paraphrase it to be it's all right to be inspired by others but copying their work word for word is shameful i don't even know which one is much better is in my own <laughs> my own quote or his but anyways this case just shows the thin line between when one is inspired by a work and when one goes ahead to plagiarize it and also looking at it doing a comparison on whether or not that would fall um under an ip infringement it's also important to remember that as content creator or digital content creators um we should learn and grow in our craft um understand that it is very unethical for for a creator to not appreciate the value of their inspirer's work and owning and also realizing the basic requirement which is originality of the work it is very important that why we are you know creating content and being inspired we should always always celebrate and support each other um and like i stated in the post i stated that when i was you know when i came across this case the case that came to mind in terms of storytelling was the human of bombay and people of india case which i also did a podcast and a carousel and twitter post about so you know how much is in your bank account is a very interesting ip highlight for me because i had to go to the other guy's page his name is jawan ford and his handle is at ford jawan so watch the two videos i think the, the difference i think someone someone made a comment about the difference between uh, master louis mr louis lou and jawan was that mr louis was always in luxury clothing while jawan was just in a regular high street or maybe a silent luxury clothing i mean that's what is trending now isn't it silent luxury not having those big logos all over you and trying to be very classy but yeah you know if you're a content creator and you're inspired by someone always acknowledge the person and say oh i was inspired by this or you get into a collaboration or a partnership with the person instead of copying word for word not good not good let's do better in 2024 okay so case number four um i don't know why i never took my time to do a proper review but i just thought i'll save it for the highlights i mean it's not everything that i have to write about sometimes i just read to learn and be abreast of what is happening in the community you know 
So I got a DM from my friend David Pere. I like to call him Pere, not David, anyways. But Pere sent me a DM um about this Starbucks case. I was like, she are going to do a review about this. I was like, of course. But I just kept pushing and pushing, and here we are talking about how to protect your trade secrets um, and intellectual property in the restaurant industry. What are the best practices that you should go home with? So first off, um, this case highlights the uh, economic value and the independent economic value that trade secret gives to a business um, and how you may lose your reputation to uh, employee theft, disclosure of confidential information, and misappropriation if the employee decides to be very funny. So turns out that Starbucks terminated uh, an employee's contract in October because they had leaked and shared recipes ingredients steps and measurement for five of their popular drinks which is the chocolate mocha the coconut oil mocha the macieto caramel macieto the coconut milk vanilla latte and iced coffee light latte um they shared that information on the social media platform formerly Twitter. Hmm. Now, Starbucks recipe was a closely guarded secret, secret just like the KFC chicken recipe, the Coca-Cola recipe, and several other um, recipe. I think again, um, this also what what also came to mind was the um, Hudabasi Kukaton. I did an extensive review about IP rights in the food industry and for food bloggers and vloggers and um, tourists. What was it called? What do you call them? But there's like a term for that industry. Is it gastro something? Can't remember. I think that's something that the Koreans, South Koreans specifically, are exploring in terms of, you know, trying to get not just engagement but get people to understand the story behind some of their cuisines so imagine your employees and i think some businesses in nigeria experiences where an employee comes in there without any knowledge and then they leave and start reproducing a similar brand i think um, a colleague had mentioned this case the bobo juice and biju milk case but then you know, we've had a couple of other other um, instances where businesses have been um, prone to such um, IP theft in dark. There's a difference between um, IP theft, technical know-how, um, trade security appropriation, and you know all of this conversation. So that's the fourth highlight for this year. Um, if you if you're going into 2024 as a business person, it's very important that you have certain documentation present so that you protect your intellectual property from being stolen. Uh, I know jurisdiction some some um con some states in the United States in US are clamoring that the non-circumvention um clause be removed 
um, taken out of because they feel it stifles creativity and innovation you know but if you're in a jurisdiction like mine i would say as an employer you should take measures to protect your intellectual property be it a copyright trademark patent industrial design trade secrets you name it whatever it is include the right clauses the, the um, non-disclosure clauses the non-circumvention clauses uh, ip clause make sure that it's is specific and not ambiguous at the end of the day so as an aside i watched the the behind the scenes of creating the gucci bloom perfume and you know that made me appreciate creativity more invention more i've also seen the behind the scenes or bts or of um what's it called now yeah the dior saddle bag very lovely so bts always um helps me understand and appreciate the value that creators and inventors bring into this space which is why counterfeiting is a bad thing you know i think nigerians were having a blast when they were talking about and showing counterfeited products in the market you know questions as to um packaging issues um trademark passing off trade dress issues and a whole lot just came to mind the reality is fake products are really killing nigerians not just now it's not a nigerian thing but counterfeiting is considered to be a form of intellectual property infringement that involves the production importation sale or distribution of goods or services that are identical or substantially similar to those of the legitimate rights owners without the authorization. I, I, I follow a lot of the UK anti-counterfeiting um, um, content online and I think also the US as well. Everyone is fighting counterfeiting because it has serious consequences for not just the IP owners, but also we who are the consumers, especially this Christmas period. I think it was the EU IPO that put out like a disclaimer of some sort of what you need to look out for. And I have also attended um, some sort of webinar that talked about um, things to look out for in terms of determining whether this product you're buying to give to another person for Christmas is genuine or not. Um, websites taking you, website link taking you to the wrong website and you end up ordering the wrong product or your distributors not even being aware that they're actually getting um, bad products. Um, for, the, for, for the IP owners, it can lead to loss of revenue, damage to their brand reputation and also make um the employees to lose their job so i think it was one of these luxury brands that had to like so they found out i think in one of these asian countries that um an employee was creating a counterfeited version of the luxury brand and selling it as the original brand for top money like the money no be here you know so how how do you then control some of these things i think some brands have uh, incorporated using blockchain to determine um, for transparency and also track um 
the products when they leave the store to when they get to their final destination they also put in serial code numbers that they use to identify whether the products are genuine kudos to Elik dora mrs dora professor dora and came OFR, who was the director general of the national agency for food and drug administration and control of nigeria nigeria from 2001 to 2008 i mean she made a huge impact within the nigerian space when it comes to fighting of counterfeited products and trying to ensure the these are again i'm going to try to make this short um by listing the penalties um and the type and extent of infringement so some possible penalties for counterfeiters will include uh, imprisonment fines for future and seizure of products injunction damages you know you also need to also consider that um using fake products can cause serious health issues such as eye infections allergic reaction nervous system toxicity organ system toxicity um lots of sides hearing aid miscarriages infertility high blood pressure which are caused by exposure to harmful ingredients in counterfeit products um diarrhea kidney failure anemia like how do you people sleep at night when you do how do those counterfeiters not you people not my happy friends basically but how do counterfeiters actually sleep well at night knowing that they are causing so much harm so what will now be the role of the fccp which is a federal federal competition and consumer protection commission um, NAFDAQ and the Standard Organization of Nigeria. What are the rules of this agency? They're basically responsible for regulating um, the power sector, food, drug, cosmetic clothing, autom automotive parts, um, and some of the measures that they've taken in combating fake products include simplifying the process of laying complaints. And I'll give kudos to the FCCPC. What I ordered against what I got, the menu for online. Uh, imposing stricter penalties, collaborating with other stakeholders such as the Nigeria Customs Service, the Ni National Drug Law Enforcement Agency, the Pharmaceutical Society of Nigeria, and the media to raise awareness and report cases of IP crimes. Um, can you sue a counterfeiter for damages in Nigeria? sure yes you can um damages are, is basically at the discretion of the court you know at the end of the day um what else do i think elements of counterfeiting in nigeria involves making copying or imitating of any trademark so i have this so it's the trade trade malpractice miscellaneous offenses are uh, you have the counterfeit and fake drug and wholesome processed food miscellaneous provisions act so it's a very short um law with just 13 section 
um, penalties, provision of sale of drugs or poison in certain premises or places, any person who hawks or sells or displays for the purpose, aids or abets, including in market, kills, motor park, etc., etc., are we punishable under the law? Now, reference to appropriate um, authority will mean reference to any person or body authorized to grant licenses or register premises for the sale and distribution of drugs or poison. Penalties, 500000 or imprisonment for a term of no less than five years or more than 15 years. Um, a um, under Section 2, sub 1, the person may be liable to a conviction to a fine exceeding 500000 or imprisonment for a term of no less than two years or both such fine and imprisonment. Trial of offenses. The Federal High Court has the exclusive jurisdiction to try such offenses. Um, there's also the establishment of the Federal Tax Force, function of the Federal Tax Force, establishment of police, Nigeria Police Ford Squad. Then section 10 talks about forfeiture of drugs or, or unwholesome processed food products. I think there was one time where they were dumping expired um, chicken um, and people were complaining that instead of doing that, you should give it to people that can't afford to buy those things by themselves. And I'm like, that is unhealthy. It's not good for you to eat. Then the trademark practice offenses would include any person who labels, packages, sell, offers for sale or advertise any product in any manner that is false or misleading. So let's look at a couple of those examples that I had shared in that post. So you have um, the Amor um, soy sauce, system, oyster sauce, you have Evra, you have the Sniper. So instead of Sniper, you have Sniper. Instead of Close Up, you have Open Up. Instead of Hennekin, you have Hemekin. Instead of Bama, you have some other thing there. And then there was this video that went viral on social media where um, there was a bust in a, in one of these production, illegal production companies, not companies, but illegal places. They were creating, um, filling up drinks in wine bottles. It was, I mean... I don't know. I really don't know. Then there was another one again I saw about two Chinese men um, putting something inside a milo package and they were like, oh, these people are in Nigeria. I'm like, like, how do people really sleep at night? You know? So there's also the provision for the establishment of malpractices investigation panels to include the Ministry of Commerce, Internal Affairs, Health, Petroleum Resources, Solid Mineral Development. There's also the mining issues as well. Uh, Ministry of Industry, Science and Technology, Finance, Central Bank of Nigeria, and the Standard Organization of Nigeria. All of these organizations, we need to really put our hands all hands need to be on deck. This cannot keep happening in our dear country. What this has going to show is that we have the potential to actually create those. But counterfeiting is ruining all of this. It's it's taking a toll on everyone. Purchasing counterfeit goods supports illegal and often unethical practices such as child labor and organized crimes. True. I think there was one time Primark was accused of that. Also, I think you see that a lot within the fashion industry where there's a lot of conversation as to sustainability, um, child labor per se. I think one time someone posted that if you really want to know if your clothing was created by... Oh, apologies, guys. Created through child labor, check 
just turn your dress inside out and you see that somebody wrote something i think i had one of these and i was like panicking of some sort but i was like so in conclusion it's important for individuals and and businesses to be aware of the risk associated with counterfeiting and to take steps to protect their intellectual property i mean it's one thing to register another thing to monitor um so that's a lot of investment i think in the episode where i had um a senior colleague um come talk to us about so there was this adire scenario where the chinese were importing low quality adira and people were not having it you know conversations like that so check out that episode as well that was also very detailed i think it's more than an hour but it's what you're listening so please please support your girl by listening to that episode you know uh <laughs> we can also start in, uh, implementing anti-counterfeiting measures such as holograms or serial number i think we're already doing that but these people are smart they always i think they're always a step ahead of the government or the agency or the ip owners and i know that under the new copyright act there's a provision for um where the 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 commission is going to be working with the customs in terms of um what's it now i'm trying to look for it though restriction on importation which is section 55 where the dg will request the commission to notify nigerian customs service during the period specified in the notice to treat as prohibited goods any working record of which rights has been infringed upon so all hands needs to be on deck for this one so i i, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this because i think i'm already doing that but Preventing counterfeiting is a collective responsibility that requires cooperation between government, rights holders, and consumers. So for highlight number six, I'm going to be talking about the Oja Piano case. So I've been following this case for a while now. And sometime in November, specifically 27th of November, um, the O2 Connect had published that KC and E-Money five-star musical gifted Ibonile Ojazi a Lexus for a Lexus car for his birthday and was said to have signed him to five-star music. This was also shared by Ambassador of News on TikTok. So the backstory was... Um, so my colleague moses malan had shared this shared the link with me about how igwe credo stated that um casey did not pay them for their contribution to the Oja piano um, music said that how one junior pope had reached out to him to be featured in casey's hit song Oja piano I remember a few years ago, Casey was accused of IP tests and infringement from um, another for another hit song, which is the cultural praise from a priest. I know Chukun also had reached out to me to get my views, but sometimes some of these cases I try to stay away from. It doesn't feel like I I be talk I'm not a gossip blog, you know. But then. I followed the story and also did my a bit of research in terms of what are the copyright implications for all of these 
um in terms of um how does this impact the um the music industry what should artists and producers know um is this going to be like a a new genre or another controversy within the music industry and uh, what is the musical impact to all of these and how can the nigerian music industry help artists overcome overcome some of these challenges and achieve their full potential by not just protecting and enforcing the ip but also being knowledgeable about the business of music um how can they be fairly compensated and recognized for their contribution um to a musical work and all of this boils down to lack of awareness i think a lot of creatives or artists get carried away when um a celebrity or an a-list artist reaches out to them which is why we're currently seeing a lot of social media call outs um from artists and people not keeping to terms not drafting proper agreements um i wouldn't say lack of regulation and enforcement we have a new copyright act and there are provisions for um technical protection measures that artists can explore there is also the takedown proceeding which wasn't there before there's also restriction on importation anti-piracy measures um what else again and several other provisions are the new and there's also the dispute resolution um board which the ends the nigerian copyright um, commission will create to resolve disputes on um, licensing payment of royalties and any other thing they deem fit to be determined by the commission um what else again then there is um, awareness and education um how musicians and artists can protect their work um creating and maintaining um databases of registered and verified intellectual property rights the roles of the collective management organizations and people like um p man so listen to the episode with uh, mr micah pan there's also um i think i've talked about that again um i've talked about that again so going forward in terms of you need to motivate and reward nigerian artists and producers protect and enforce their their intellectual property rights sign the necessary agreement don't do oral always make sure that you properly document all your conversations the terms of the contract um agreement um how you can commercialize how you deal with distributors how to do record labels um platforms consumers people like also listen to your song um improving the quality and popularity of the music so i had to google um the flute that was used to um, by um or jazzy i think that's his name yeah that was used by jazzy and also what else um artists need to understand the business of music publishing music licensing how record labels come in do you really need a record label at this point in your career um um how um music licensing officers can also help emerging artists and musicians um creating a vibrant music ecosystem cultural heritage preserving our cultural heritage and enc encouraging artists to explore their cultural roots um 
picking your your niche and building on that um other challenges would be piracy lack of structure um what else again mm, i think that basically covers the conversation but if you have a different view regarding the Oja piano dispute that is still growing please send me a dm or email to ipseries info at gmail.com always always willing to listen to another person's opinion though so highlight number seven is going to be very very short and that's me talking about the passing of the nigerian copyright act 2022 i did like a not an and i did a two hours plus review above the new copyright act so if you haven't listened to it please do and i also started like a um nigerian copyright review um post highlighting certain sections i felt creatives should take note of i think it's about nine or, t- or ten i'm going to continue next year um so this new act has about a hundred and let's see hold on i need to be sure 109 sections so the part one of it talks about the objective and application the objective of the law basically is to protect the rights of authors to ensure just rewards and recognition for their intellectual property so linking it back to the ojazi uh, ojapiano case you are your 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 the lot takes care of this when it talks about protecting your rights and not ensuring that you're just you're rewarded and recognized for your ip efforts for your intellectual effort then provide appropriate limitation and exception exceptions to guarantee access to creative work which is where the special provisions comes in so you have general exceptions then act for purpose of instruction or examinations recording of broadcast by educational establishments Restriction on reprographic copying by educational institution, subsequently with authorized copies, special provision for archives, libraries, museums, and gallery, special exceptions for blind, visually impaired, and otherwise print disabled people, and finally, special ex- exception in respect of sound recording of musical works. And I think that would apply. Let's see. It's 27. Mm, musical. Anyways, let me not delve into that because I said I already talked extensively about that. Then the third objective is facilitate Nigerians' compliance with obligations arising from relevant international copyright treaties and conventions like the Marrakesh, the Ben Conventions, the W, um, what's that one now? WPPT, yeah, and several others. Then enhance the capacity of the Nigerian Copyright Commission for effective regulation, administration, and enforcement of the provisions of the uh, So if you're within the creative sector, you you have eligible works that for or at listed on that section two of the copyright act such as the literary work musical work artistic works audiovisual work sound recording broadcast and performance um the nigerian copyright commission is your regulatory body go and engage them talk to them align yourself with a collective management organization also talk to p-man as well p-man should do a better job in terms of standing up for the creatives you know but yeah i think also mobad's debt also raised some very pertinent issues within the creative sector in conclusion and in summary (laughs) go and learn about the business of your sector whichever of the eligible works you have go and learn the business side of it so that 2024 will have less of social media call-outs and 
video takes and long Twitter posts. Oh, not anyone that can beat Kanye West yet, Sha, but number eight is the debate about identifying artificial intelligence as an auto within different jurisdictions. First, we have the judgment from the Chinese court acknowledging an artificial intelligence generated work or image that was created using stable diffusion. The courts um, in this judgment stated that that image called Spring Breeze Brings Tenderness um, that was posted on the Chinese platform Little Red Bull um, enjoys and is eligible for copyright protection. And so the author, Mr. Lee, who had sued Miss Liu for copyright infringement, won, um, was awarded some damages and with cost attached. I like when a court or a lawyer in filing an IP dispute includes cost for litigation. Lovely. Um, though the money was small, but then the president has said in China that um, AI-generated images or works in, are eligible for copyright um, protection within that territory. The case raised several issues such as, um, one, even though Mr. Lee had used stable diffusion, he took extra measures to include the copyright notice when he watermarked his image. Kind of reminds me of the Kelechi. She had a choice case where someone put a watermark, um, Puja Media put his watermark and clearly removed it, you know, and reposted it. They also have the issue of paparazzi and photographers suing celebrities for reposting images of themselves. Several, several celebrities are, are falling victim to this. So when I saw this, the first thing that came to my mind was the um, one, the technology. Technological protection measures as provided for under the new copyright acts from section 50. Um, so it says no person shall manufacture, import, sell, or offer for sale, provide, or otherwise traffic in any technology, product, service, vessel, parts. Mm, yeah. So if someone go takes the extra measure to circumvent your um, the protection, the watermark or a notice you've put in by bypassing or removing deactivating it they have infringed on your work now the law under subsection 3 defines technology protection measures to mean a technology device product or component incorporated into the work which is designed to effectively prevent or inhibit the infringement of any copyright or related right you know then second question is can prompts used in an ai um, software or tools and enjoy IP protection. I think I mentioned that when I was talking about the New York um, Times case in passing. Um, that's why using AI tools is Mr. Lee entitled to the exclusive rights and also enjoys such as economic rights, moral rights, and the exclusive rights. Based on this new judgment, I would say yes. If this was in Nigeria, would the technological protection measures apply? I think by definition, yes, this will apply. While copyright as an IP protects the originality involved in the level of human involvement, what would the threshold for AI-generated work be to determine originality? That's another angle I think we need to pay attention to. Um, second, second AI case would be the U.S. Copyright Office refusing to register its fourth 
AI-generated work that was created with the use of an AI tool. Um, the work in question is a two-dimensional computer-generated image titled S-U-R-Y-A-S-T. I think it's Soyast. Created by Ankit Sami, um, in part using a custom-developed software program called RAGHAV. Um, you can check out my post when I discuss the Zara of the Dawn case this year. I think I posted it in March. So there's a podcast version that is like a short carousel slash newsletter version. Um, the third case on my radar is the recent UK Supreme Court decision on Dabu's AI invention that only human inventors can be acknowledged under section 13 sub 2 paragraph a of the uk patent act and these are sets some precedents and guidelines for regulating um, intellectual property rights which focus on which focus on the relevant provisions of the law now three issues that the court considered when it came to conclusion for the uk matter was um the scope and meaning of the term invention was dr taylor the owner of the said invention in any technical advancement made by Dabus and entitled to apply and obtain patent for it. And finally, was the hearing office entitled to hold that the application would be taken with would be taken to be withdrawn. Yeah. So that's it for what highlight number is this now? Mm, I don't know. Highlight number nine is the Jack Daniels um dog toy case so um, this case basically highlighted the ways that business owners who might want to follow the vip's lead can avoid being accused of trademark infringement dilution and other offenses so in order to do that um it's very important that you conduct a proper search if possible before you launch a new product or brand um carry out like an IP audit or due diligence to identify any potential conflict with the existing trademarks and allow um, yourself to, to make any necessary changes before launching. You also need to understand the different types of trademark infringements, which includes dilution and of course when a trademark um, becomes less distinctive due to overuse of other factors. Um, in Nigeria, trademarks are protected under the Trademark Act and the Nigerian Constitution. The Trademark Registry is responsible for registry and enforcing trademarks, and businesses operating in Nigeria should ensure that they comply with the, re- with the relevant laws and regulations to avoid any legal issues. But I think this case was kind of interesting because under the U.S. competition, there were arguments as to whether this was free speech, and all of those conversations that took over. So I did a carousel and also did a podcast version of this. So please check it out and let me know if you have a contrary view to my opinion. Highlight number 10 is the adaptation of the Alu 4 um, story into a movie titled Dark October. It was really a dark October in River Stage, Nigeria, when um, these four Uniport, University of Portacourt students were burned alive early hours of the morning after they were accused 
of stealing and all that now when it comes to movies based on real life events it's very important to understand that there's a legal concept known as right to oppose publicity also means that a person's name image voice and likeness are protected by law even after that but then this this would depend on your jurisdiction so if you if a movie is made that includes a deceased person's name like the family may have a legal claim against the producers of the film may i think there's this um serial killers movie was it called it Dowman? i think so um and ted bundy all of those things i know sometimes family object because if you um they are diseased when well, they want the dead let the dead rest and be buried you know let bygone be bygone and all that but sometimes some families um for some reasons do not appreciate being reminded of the past some also feel that the adaptation may be exaggerated while some may be after it for monetary compensation like you should have reached out to us gotten our consent etc etc um if a movie is based on a newsworthy event that showcases or highlights a particular issue in the society, I think um, the family in question may not have a claim. Additionally, if the deceased person, you know, I was going to say something about it, let me just say that. But the best cause of action for the family of a deceased person is to consult a legal professional specializes in intellectual property film law entertainment law they can guide the family whether they have a legal claim what steps that can be taken to protect their rights of the people if they actually have a right so i know linda ikeji got a lot of backlash from family but you know um jungle justice is something that we still struggle with in nigeria there was the i mean deborah's case was an exception because was in the north and there was conversation on black femming blasphemy rather um and with the recent killings in plateau and the middle belt my mom is middle belt my mom is from benway state so it's a bit dicey i i know how i would feel if we get bad news from my mom's family that something bad happened they were killed by you know they said farm headers farmer headers or something or um you know it's complex but the conversation i've been bringing for the last three days now on on x platforms with people highlighting how um some extremists have been um killing people on the name of religion um on the name of um not name now but trying to like a genocide is currently ongoing try to read the indigenous of their bed tribes and taking over in a very hostile way you also see instances where people were born for for stealing i think we had one this year when a lawyer a female lawyer was um attacked false alarm and then she was attacked and you know she had some medical complications those kind of things so i think this movie um did his best to highlight that jungle justice is not a um something that we should take for granted but i think the family were not happy with the fact that the that departed ones or the deceased family members were like the focus of the story but then you know 
please check out my conversation about that i did an extensive review about that case too then we have the domitila trademark saga which was interesting to follow and getting to see um how it developed so turns out that sometime this year um the domitila ashamobi work was to premiere and then we saw that the lead actress and chairman jamanzi um was suing zebi Giroux, the producer director um zebi Giroux production and the movie sponsors film one entertainment and film tribe media for trademark infringement so she had just applied to trademark the name Domitila and was now suing them and trying to prevent them from launching. We all know that trademark infringement is a very serious offense that occurs when the person or entity using the trademark that is identical or similar to another party's trademark. Um, this movie, which is a cinem a cinematograph work under the new art, is no longer called. No, it's now called audiovisual work. It's now called audiovisual no yes now the visual works on longer cinematograph work as was stated in the former ad they enjoy protection and that means that filmmakers can register their work and protect it from unauthorized use by others and there's also um passing of protection for when a mark has not been registered so you enjoy you enjoy a limited form of protection under the law uh, at the end of the day, the her registration was opposed, and the trademark tribunal um, stated that she had registered the trademark in bad faith. Overall, this case raises important issues relating to intellectual property law and the protection of creative work. So check out my post about that, and let me know if you watched. The movie i know i did a giveaway of some stuff but the person that won i couldn't i don't know person that won i couldn't meet up and i offered to do some other thing but it wasn't responsive so if you're listening to this i sincerely apologize but i still owe you so reach out to me and let me know what is within my budget that i can actually do for you you know so another interesting case was the um, case between Ad Mr. Adewale Ojo against Airtel Network Limited, which sheds light on protection of image rights, especially when it comes to um, public figures, celebrities, or well-known people. Uh, apparently, um, Airtel was ordered to pay the filmmaker, actor, and show business personality 20 million naira for the unauthorized use of his image and photo after their initial mobile no portable service agreement or contract that had elapsed um, in December of 2014 or 20 no, April. Yeah, that last that had elapsed basically, and also for the use of that image within that timeline. So he also sheds light on the importance for businesses to um respect terms of contract so we had the case of onyeka owen who had a music who music licensing agreement with iroquin tv expired and they kept using it afterwards even though the the compensation was small 
but then that set a precedent. Then we also have the Vironi case um, with Messi Johnson recently. You know, I talked about that as well. So, do we have an, um, a specific law or image right? No, but I think with the right strategy, your lawyer and your team can come up with a good argument for unauthorized use of your image, especially when you're dealing with or talking about privacy-related issues and stuff like that then there's tom browning who won the four stripe motif case against adidas three stripe case um the court held that the four stripe motive was not infringing adidas and i think i was watching one korean south korean series and i saw one of the actors wearing the tom brown i was like oh my god look at this you know so i also talked about that in i did a carousel and also i think i did a podcast episode trying to remember not sure but that is another highlight for me for this year especially because adidas is very aggressive when it comes to protecting their tree stripe logo mark like oga calm down wait till this soap you know so if you're in the fashion space please check out that episode figure out what you can do to stand out so that when cases like this comes to your table your litigation team or your legal team or legal department know the strategy to put forward arguments in may because in the event of a dispute basically you have to cross check and carry out a due diligence to ensure that the ip was really really infringed upon so that is another highlight for this year for me so my friend's husband has sent me this bad bunny case where let's see now so Bad Bunny was accused of copyright infringement and authorized just by his ex-girlfriend. And it was really interesting to see and I was like, ah, babe, this woman. I mean, especially now where you're seeing um, artists try to, um, what's the word now? Artists try to incorporate their kids into the music sector. So there's a recent song by Northwest Guy. The song is banging. Hey, go and listen to it. But anyways, um, so that was like the first case I saw about Bad Bunny. Then I think Mr. Easy also accused him for um, copyright infringement as well. Um... So I'm trying to get that story before I delve into the main thing that brought me here. Yeah, Bad Bunny faces $40 million lawsuit by his ex-girlfriend. This was posted by Complex um, sometime in March. So the girlfriend is... Um, the suit is based on her contribution to Party and Those Meals 16, where she memorably says, Bad Bunny, baby, hey! <laughs> But the second case, which I want us to, you know, take note of is Bad Bunny, Carol G, Daddy Yankee. If you like reggae, you go know all these people that they call Pittsburgh, my man, you know. So there's a reggaeton copyright lawsuit against several artists um, that I've listed, which which um, um, is basically talking about a 1989 reggae track um, filed by Steely and I think it's Claire V in 2021, and they are claiming that nearly 2,000 songs have sampled and interpolated 
the fish market reggae um track most recent is that all of the defendants including bad bunny um wants the lawsuit to be thrown out and one interesting thing though is that is there a statute of limitation for when a trademark owner um can actually register their eligible work so this track in dispute is a 1989 track so 1989 till today is 34 years later that's like more no almost half of the term of protection that a musical work uh sound recording enjoys under the law in nigeria you know and i think also in the u.s i think it's also 70 years plus after the death of the you know but i'm still following this conversation you know there's question as to whether you know can be called, be protected, and this is uh, too many complex things. I'm like, ah, these entertainment people, you people, too many things. You just have to keep reading and being updated. But this is the Bad Bunny case that featured in my 2023 IP highlights. So the next highlight never made it to either the carousel or the twitter or expose i made but it's basically talking about um calf signing a three-year broadcasting deal with new world tv to cover 13 competitions including the 2023 and 2025 afcon games and a free to air and pay tv deal now according to publication new world tv is considered to be a new kid in the broadcasting business and we already know the importance of broadcasting rights in the sports industry for sporting events so i think i've mentioned or i've discussed this in one of my episodes when the nigerian um broadcasting um company or agency had stated that um companies um dstv was mandated and compelled to sub-license their broadcasting rights to smaller TV stations in Nigeria. And then, you know, I got tagged on that post and I did an extensive discussion and analysis of that um, directive or memo that went out. So if you really also want to learn more about broadcasting rights in the sports, sporting industry and how com- what the commercial value is, and how important it is i think you need to also take note of the nigerian sports policy document and also read articles published by my friend beverly abakoba and several other authors out there number 16 oh baby the song that has over a billion views on youtube is now a registered trademark in the u.s under class 9 which is for downloadable music files authenticated by nfts now this registration was concluded last month november 2023 we all know the benefits of having a registered trademark right i believe if you if you have been following ip series i'm sure you know but i'll just dash you one exclusive rights you get the exclusive right to commercially and consistently use that mark in the class that you register. Remember, you have 45 classes to pick out of. And it's only when you get your certificate that you can come and say, I have 
a registered trade. <laughs> oh my me. I have a registered trademark. You can also prevent other people from um using similar names or trying to cause confusion in the market or trying to deceive people and stuff like that. So if you are considering registering baby shark in class nine in the United States, please diet, you know dead the dead the matter you know that trademark and ip is territorial energy so in the u.s yes but there's also the conversation as to well-known mark i think baby shark doo -doo 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 -doo, is well known for it to have a billion views and counting authorizing now check it so another shocking highlight for me was seeing that chocolate ct may lose up to 60% of his equity due to a loan dispute under an ADA distribution agreement with WEA International, a subsidiary of New York-based Warner Music Group. Chocolate City is one of the independent music labels in Nigeria and have been a major player in the Nigerian um music industry so seeing this news broke a lot of persons out myself included and i think no i think on one platform someone was like what were they thinking they have lawyers on the on the board and i was like dude calm down we haven't seen the terms of agreement so you guys should take a chill pill you know um and one thing again that stood out for me when i was reviewing this case um which is currently before the high court of justice in england and wales commercial court is that one not a lot of persons know what an ada um distribution agreement is I'm going to shed light on that this is an agreement between the supply and distributor of music products or services and the supplier is usually an independent record label or artisan the distributor is a company that provides marketing promotion and distribution service to the supplier the agreement will specify the terms and condition of the relationship such as the scope of the product and services the payments and royalty arrangement the rights and obligation of each parties and dispute resolution mechanism very important you know um it, it said i think i went to publication said that the um loan is about five hundred thousand but if i'm wrong please correct me see as i lower my voice as they talk that one bar mm -hmm. now um according to some publication it said ada worldwide is a division of warner music group a global music distribution and service partner for independent artists and labels um it's um so when i was also talking about this case with how will I describe Abamna? Abamna is becoming my mentor. <laughs> I say mentor, my it's more than a mentee right now because he's becoming a lawyer. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say because he just finished law school, and I've also featured in on my podcast. We talked about the um um Wakanda case, so please listen to that episode with Abam Miracle. But then we delved into conversation on convertible terms, loan facilities, which are like a type of financing that allows the lender to convert their standing loan amount 
into equity or any other form of payment. They are usually used by companies that need capital but do not want to dilute their ownership or give up control of their business. It also provides like a flexible uh, um, arrangement for both the borrower and the lender depending on the terms and condition. So how does debt equity conversion work? Debt equity conversion is a process in which a borrower company exchanges some or all of its debt for equity shares in the company. And this basically means that the lender becomes a shareholder or a part of the company and the borrower reduces or eliminates its debt obligation. It has several benefits for both parties. For the borrower, it can help improve its cash flow, reduce interest expenses and, and avoid bankruptcy. Oh, I need to drink water. <laughs> and restructure its balance sheet. For the lender, it can help to recover some or all of the loan value gain is taken the company's future profit and avoid the risk of default or litigation. However, debt equity conversation can also have some drawbacks. And some, some common methods of debt equity conversation is conversation of bonds into share, conversations of loan into share. This is when the lender of a loan to the borrower company agrees to cancel the loan exchange for a certain percentage of the equity in the, in the company. In this instance, 60%. That's the lot. Then you have conversion of trade variables into shares now how does intellectual property affect debt equity conversion we already know that ip protects intangible intellectual output now depending on the type and value of the ip ip assets involved whether it's copyright trademark patents industrial design trade secret the nature and terms of the debt contract and the goals and strategies of the borrower and the lender you know could have some effects such as it can increase the attractiveness of debt equity conversion for the borrower especially if the borrower has a strong and valuable ip portfolio that can generate future revenues and profit it can also increase the attractiveness of debt equity conversion for the lender especially if the lender believes in the potential and viability of the borrower's ip portfolio it can also increase some Sorry, it can also create some challenges and risks for both the borrower and the lender in debt equity conversion. For the borrower, it can result in dilution of ownership, loss of control, and increased reporting and governance requirements. The borrower may also face some difficulties in valuing its IP assets, protecting its rights, and maintaining its competitive advantage in the, in the market. And for the lender, IP can result in lower returns, higher risk, and longer time horizon. They may also face challenges in, in assessing the quality and validity of the borrower's IP assets, enforcing his IP rights, and managing IP portfolio. So I think, um, I just, should I stop there? What are some of the ways to finance a record label? You can consider crowdfunding. Read the Nigerian Startup Act to guide you on crowdfunding. Um, you can opt for grants, sponsorship, equity. Um, I think I'm not. I'm trying not to make this. Okay, so how does ADA agreement affect? I think I've mentioned that. Why am I? Why do I feel like I'm repeating myself? But 
um, how can a record label scale up successfully? One of the most promising and innovative ways is by using IP and debt equity conversion. Um, it can help record labor improve their cash flow. It can also um, help them beat competition and reach new markets, secure their growth and profitability. So, yeah, I think, I think um lastly would be what are the legal remedies for breach or default in a convertible term loan facility one is termination of the loan agreement enforcement of the security conversion of the loan into equity damages and injunctive relief you know um difference between a breach and a default um in a loan agreement may depend on the terms and conditions of the agreement the nature and extent of the breach of defaults and the applicable law and jurisdiction so yeah that's it for for this highlight so remember the at the introduction or beginning part of my recording i said that this year's ip conversation is centered on artificial intelligence now i have another ai dispute which is the author's copyright lawsuit against open ai again microsoft again <laughs> so the authors will be John R. R. Martins, um, John Grishan, and other tech companies over alleged misuse of their work to train AI system. I think this is going to be like one of the major arguments for most AI disputes. So just like the um, New York Times disputes, I'm also following these disputes. I'm also trying to not trying to i also want to build capacity on artificial intelligence because it seems like that's like going to be what we what we build our 2024 so get ready guys <laughs> so i'm sure we're used to hearing my career has been sued for all i want for christmas it's another copyright lawsuit but this time it's tupac's dear mama that was named in a new copyright suit 30 years after it has hit the charts um there's a copyright related claim stating, you know, specifying French, it was my work, blah, blah, blah. But that's still building. So that's another highlight for this year, which was interesting to see. So next, again, is the Hamilton against Lewis Hamilton mark in the eu for failure to show it is a known and recognized mark as the board of appeal stated that the special protection accorded to famous persons when applying for trademark did not apply in this case relying on the absence of data for people from bulgaria estonia croatia Lat latvia and lutania um I think we all know who Lewis Hamilton is. He had registered Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton in 2015, I think, in several classes. But, you know, as usual, when you register a mark and you don't consistently use it, you lose the right to own that mark. And someone can apply that your mark be cancelled or revoked. And this was the case um, in this dispute. So check it out. Do more research on this. I think I've talked about revoking vocation of a trademark cancellation of a trademark criteria and what the law will look out for in several episodes so yeah 
so remember during the pandemic when um it went viral that pitbull had trademarked his fam- famous brito here now in 2023 just like pitbull duracell battery was successful in his appeal to the trademark appeal board as it overturned the decision of the u.s patent trademark office that um there three notes slam tone um which they consider to be advertising uh not enough to support their specimen in connection with the sale of the goods um the ttab stated that the three note slam can be registered because the audio message transmitted repeatedly in section of the stores where the goods are located helped prove one of the requirements of trimmer which is used in connection with the sale of goods and services so if you're going to do a trademark in any jurisdiction please make sure that you engage a law firm or a trademark attorney or lawyer within that jurisdiction to tell you what their own law provides under our own law you must show that the mark in question which would be the three tone slam okay the three note slam tone is capable of distinguishing and is distinctive is not similar is not deceptive and it's not the name of a chemical you get but sound mark is one of the most difficult types of trademarks that can be registered you must really prove that there is a distinctive element to your mark that you want to register and consumers play a huge role in helping you win that um but yeah that's it number 22 is the yuga loves against um reaps who is a non-fungible token artist Ryder reaps and jeremy karen who a united states district court ordered to pay board api club creator yuga loves a total of 1.57 million in damages along with legal fees now the summary of the findings of the courts based on a post by um someone i follow on linkedin trying to remember the person's name but she stated in her post that one the basis for the remedies were that the defendant intentionally and willfully infringed yuga's trademark through the creation and sale of a copycat's collection of nfts and the registration of domain names similar to yuga's trademark the court rejected the defendant's claim of protection under the first amendment fair use or parody as well as claims of trademark abandonment or transfer then the defendants were found to have acted in bad faith with contempt towards the court and yuga labs causing irreparable harm to yuga's reputation and goodwill so this case is kind of interesting because i think i also saw another publication on twitter that highlighted that some of the um the ape um nfts were being told yeah got it so it says a massive theft appears to be happening right now all these nfts have been stolen from wallets some of the absolute top tiers apes conspiracy theory not the <laughs> not going to delve into it but yeah so the next highlight is the South African case of the Takis trademark in dispute when application for cancellation of the mark was made for being too similar and that it was like there was a likelihood to cause confusion. So the case is Greenbow Bimbo S dot A dot B 
DEC against Takis Bill Tony PTY in bracket limited. So check it out, figure out what's obtainable in South Africa, um, the relevant treaties when it comes to trademark registrations and all that. Now, in this case, it's pink all over. Can you guess? Can you guess? Can you guess? Can you guess? Please tell me you can. So basically, the marketing and branding team behind the Barbie movie, they deserve recognition because anywhere you see pink, now you're thinking, is this a Barbie collection? You know, I think I, I, came, no, I came across that, that um, audio on Reels and I used it for one of my posts. Is that the Barbie collection? Everything was pink themed, you know. But basically, highlighting how Mattel has safeguarded Barbie through intellectual property, what film advertisers and toy industry can derive and learn from Mattel. And in today's world where IP theft is rampant, it is crucial for brands to take proactive steps in protecting their brands. The Barbie brand is a great example of how a brand can stay relevant and popular for over how many years. The marketing and branding team behind Barbie movie understood the importance of highlighting the steps taken by Mattel, Mattel to protect the brand's intellectual property by doing so. They not only showcased the brand's history, but also educated the audience about the importance of protecting intellectual property. I mean, pink, trademarking the color, Barbie, trademarking the name, creating merchandise, doing an adaptation alone <sighs> so if you've seen barbie i think for most movie critics barbie was in their top 20 movies for 2023 and one of the valuable lessons for those in the film advertising and tour industries that should take notes by taking steps to protect their brand they can ensure their longevity and relevance in the market for years to come i think barbie or Mattel is also considering creating like a Barbie themed, uh, called now a Barbie themed park, you know, which is good, more money for everybody. So, kudos again to the marketing team and also, um, highlighting that not everything pink is Barbie, but very you now understand the trademark element where you say you can link a product or a brand. Or use pink now as a source of indication when you're talking about Barbie. Or I think Barbie had a lot of collaborations with other fashion brands, creating a Barbie themed line, limited edition. They sure made money, lots of money. And I think the movie is currently worth a billion dollars in the market. So kudos to everybody, Sham. Another controversial case this year was Twitter rebranding to x what is x the name no sweet format you get but that's what happens when a brand is bought over do you retain the former name or do you create a new name what the benefits of retaining the former name um reputation goodwill um um, it's also an identifier for brand. I think a lot of people like myself keep referring to twitter as twitter not x because we're so used to um the name twitter there's also like a trademark guide for rebranding for what brands can learn about that. Then, Ilya Mox now going ahead to accuse his former employers of X or Twitter, formerly Twitter, <laughs> um, for breaching trades, uh, for for trade secrets 
reach by Treads. Treads is another app that came out linked to Instagram, kind of like giving um, X or Twitter's vibe but it's not as bubbly as Twitter, you know? So conversations rose up as to, oh, is this a trade secret appropriation or was it like an explanation? Was it like a disclosure from the other parties? Um, so what are the reasonable steps that brands can do to protect their trade secrets, you know? Um, it also reminded me of the Tesla case during the pandemic where they're talking about self-driving cars and Lemox again was also in the mix of trade secrets. So I think... So many things that brands can learn. Why you're going into a major or you're buying a property or selling your IP, agree on terms, ensure that your employees don't carry away confidential information that could hurt your brand. Um, but yeah, that's it. So this one went viral in Nigeria, and that is the Gangs of Lagos at um movie, where the portrayal of the Ayo masquerading in the movie sparked a lot of controversies and debates. While some argue that it was simply a movie and artistic expressions, other people stated that it was disrespectful to their culture and tradition of the people of Isaleuku. And as an intellectual property practitioner, I believe that the producers of the film should have exercised um, more caution and sensitivity towards the portrayal of the cultural icon of the AU masquerade. Um, also important that filmmakers and artists and creatives understand the significance of cultural and intellectual property and how it can impact the communities it represents. Um, what else again? And yeah, work towards representing towards representing cultural tradition and practices in a way that celebrates and honors. I think I have a, no, I think I did a, a publication about it and, and maybe a podcast. Can't remember right now. Now the Manuka honey is honey dispute is another one that you know caught my fancy. And hold on, I'm trying to get to it. But it highlighted um what um other intellectual property rights such as plant variety and geographication um has installed for farmers and business owners who set certification standards for their trade association and um, trademark aspects to um, applying to a mark depending on jurisdiction. Um, the dispute had been ongoing for years between New Zealand and Australia, claiming ownership of the name Manuka. Um, the implication was just beyond honey. It also brings to light the importance of IP rights, including um, those related to you know, plant variety. We now have a plant variety act protection in Nigeria. Um, it allows farmers and those in the ag agricultural sectors and food sectors to protect the unique products and ensure that their quality is maintained. It highlights the potential for trade associations to set certification standards, which can promote and protect the rep their reputation in the industry. So check that out. There's a carousel for that, and we're wrapping up in a few minutes. So one interesting development again that I came across was the implementation of the artist resale right, aka drought dispute, under the Art Promotion Act 2023, which will come into effect in um, July 
2027. And the art resale right, also known as due is a legal concept that grants artists the right to receive a percentage of the resale price of their artwork. The right was first introduced in France in the 1920s and has been adopted in various countries throughout the world. In Korea, the implementation will take place. Uh, the implementation was done this year, but will come into effect in July of 2027, and is also considered to be a significant step to protecting the rights of artists and ensuring that they are fairly compensated. Under the new law, artists will be entitled to receive a percentage of the resale sale of their artwork each time it is sold. They will apply to all works of art, including paintings, sculptures, and photographs. The percentage the artists are entitled to will depend on the sale price of the artwork and is considered to be like a positive development for the country's art community. Last but not the least, I think so. Yeah. So, did you know that Apple Inc. was prohibited from selling the Apple Watch Series 9 and the Watch Ultra 2 and any other new model within the United States due to their infringement of Massimo's corpse patent on pulse oximetry technology, which uses lights to measure blood and oxygen levels. So it turns out that sometime in October 2023, the United States International Trade Commission made this, this decision. This decision, however, um, up until Christmas, the Biden White House um, were expected to reverse that decision, but never did as you know, done by President Barack Obama in 2013 when Apple was accused of violating Samsung's patent. So because they did not, the the White House didn't make a comment, the ban is still in effect and has also affected the stock prices of the brand. Now, what is the, what is the impact of the ban for users in other jurisdictions who want to buy or are currently using the watch 9 series and watch ultra 2. first on my list is that the, you will definitely see a possible increase in price or a limited availability of this watch series challenges in repairing or replacing the device so if you own one handle and with care and finally uncertainty regarding the future of blocked oxygen sensor feature which was like the selling point for the Apple Watch series. Um, but yeah, that's a wrap from me. So, IP friends, we finally come to the end of the 2023 IP series top highlights for the year. So, cheers to 2024, cheers to making serious and good memories in 2024. Thank you for all your support. For the love oh my god you guys make me feel so amazing i really appreciate you guys for everything i think i'm talking too much but all i want to say is thank you for sticking with me for 2023 looking forward to to more collaborations more money and long life for all my ap friends and my new listeners who will bless me today by listening to my podcast enjoy your day have a fantastic and fabulous transition to 2024 and see you in a few hours in 2024